Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here and good to see you all. I'm Lori, Van's wife. And I'm Van, <clears throat> Lori's husband. <laughs> Actually, um, Lori and I would also officially be called the co-founding pastors of the church. Uh, we started this church together in 2001. The very first document uh, written for this church starts out with Lori and I feel called to. And so uh, she's been in it since the beginning and uh, just had a, a huge impact on the whole flow of things around here. But um, yeah, we're here today to share this message with you as parents uh, about children at Christmas. And uh, just about us... Um, Lori and I have been married for 42 years. Yeah, November 30th. Yep, it's awesome. Thank you, Lord. I asked her to marry me on the third date. She said yes, so it worked. What? We had written a lot of letters, so it really felt like I knew him. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I almost proposed. <laughs> I just, I knew she was going to, so I thought, well, I got to do something right in this relationship. You better, you I better be do it, you know, punch, or I'm yeah. going to. So we came from really kind of radically different backgrounds uh, culturally with, you know, American backgrounds, but um, uh, different communication patterns, different communication systems, which took us a lot of years to, well, first of all, to realize that she wasn't raised um, by wolves or anything like that, or... That, that her communication patterns... And Dan wasn't either. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we just learned so much from each other over the years, and I'm so thankful for Lori. But, um... Yeah, we have four children, in case you don't know. Three of them live out of state, and we have five grandchildren, four girls and one boy. So we're looking forward to seeing them all after Christmas. They'll all be here after they have their Christmases with their with what I call the outlaws, but they're... <laughs> so we, and of course, Wilson is our youngest with one of our grandchildren right here in Cincinnati. And uh, Wills was just up here on stage a moment ago. But uh, we just learned yesterday, one of our granddaughters in North Carolina, they have a picture of her with Santa Claus. And Santa is sitting, she wouldn't get in his lap, she's standing beside him, yeah, leaning away like this with this look in her eye like, what the heck, who are you? And so uh, when our kids were little, we pointedly went out of our way to tell them Santa Claus. Are there any little kids in here? Okay. Well, we told them something about Santa Claus that isn't necessarily culturally um, known. And... <clears throat> And so our kids, as they got older, they kind of teased us about that. But now our secondborn apparently has passed that on to his daughter because we just got word yesterday she was passing that information on to her kindergarten, her, her fellow students in kindergarten. So yeah, That's a spoiler alert, you know. Yeah. So, um, Lori, tell us, for this message today, what would you say it's about? Our heart is really to let you know that as a parent, you are the greatest influence on your children. So what your children need this Christmas is for you to exert that influence in a really wise and positive way. It's just amazing um, at any age, 
your um, who you are, what you believe, your priorities come through loud and clear. You don't have to, you know, express them when they're older, but when they're younger, you are their best parent, no matter what. So we want you to know that. Yeah, so we're going to just jump right in here and talk about uh, what our kids need at Christmas. And it, r- really thinking about Christmas, how you feel about Christmas, we, we all have a feeling about Christmas. It's as much uh, a, a mixture of the Christmas story, different bits and pieces of that, combined with different memories that we have. And so we all have memories, hopefully we have some good memories about Christmas. I remember when I was seven or eight, and my dad took my sister and me to the local five and ten cent store, and he gave us each two dollars and said, "Here, you know, go find something to buy your mother for Christmas." And so I searched that store high and low, looking for what I thought would be the perfect gift for her. And I finally settled on these four beige-colored cereal bowls. They were very plain, but they were very big, and. I bought those, and I thought this is the greatest gift, you know, ever. And I was so proud of that. I was so excited, uh, so proud of myself for picking these out, so excited to give them to my mom. I I really don't have any recollection of how she received them, if she was excited too. I doubt she was. If she she wasn't, she probably pretended she was. But um, I'm sure she loved it. (laughs) I'm sure she loved it. Um, What I remember... Uh, is my mom suggesting that I get my father a tie for Christmas because my father wore a tie and suit every single day. I mean, I don't remember him not having a tie and suit on. So I thought, oh, great, you know. So I went to McGabin's at Kenwood Plaza. If you remember, it used to be a shopping center. And, um, you know, got to pick out just the perfect color combination that I liked and the bandwidth. And um, it was just so much fun to pick that out because I knew he would need it and he'd like it because he had to have a different one every day. It made life interesting, I guess. So that's what I did every year is bought him a tie. I guess he knew what was coming. <laughs> so I inherited all those ties when her father retired. I have them all in my closet. We, we haven't been able to figure out which ones she actually bought her father or not. But <laughs> Yeah, so um, well, the thing about our memories from past they're you know we think they're really great but they kind of set us up to um, think that that is what needs to happen today right and so we um, you know it can be tough because we can't always have what we remember from the past and it's not even a good thing and you know we're looking at the past through rose-colored glasses so we need to realize that And another mistake we make along the same lines, both of these mistakes can lead us into kind of scuttling the the impact of Christmas present. But another mistake we make is to look at the past in things that lacked, things that didn't happen, and that we try to correct through Christmas presents. Present, not presents. But uh, we do try to correct it through presents, however, also. But um, either one of these can cause us to have a perfectionistic view of what Christmas ought to be like. And, and so we, we get this mindset of what it ought to be like. And then if you have any drivenness in your personality at all, you actually become the champion of that and become actually a perfectionist about Christmas. And uh, anybody here like to hang out with perfectionists? Not me. 
Oh, a couple people do. You're brave. That's awesome. Or, or yeah. So generally, perfectionists make a culture uncomfortable because they're committed to finding what's not perfect and making it perfect, and none of us are perfect. And so what we end up doing is uh, we end up missing the good things that God has for us currently by focusing either on just the past good things or trying to correct the past and, and having this idealistic view of what Christmas ought to be. So we really um, want you to think about how you as a parent uh, can um, bring the non-perfectionist mindset with joy and peace in your heart. That is what, what brings joy and peace into your children's heart, and they need that. They sure do. So uh, in in order to do that, to be a parent that lives with joy and peace in in spite of imperfection, uh, Jesus, the night before he died, you know, he was born. We're celebrating his birth right now, an amazing thing, him coming into the world. He lived his life, had his ministry, and died on the cross. The night before he died on the cross, he gave us two gifts. And one of them was peace and one of them was joy. And so to live with peace, Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So he says peace is a gift that he gives to us, and it is not like the world gives. So worldly peace is based upon our outer circumstances. When everything seems to be going right, everything seems to be going well, we have peace. When things aren't going right, when there's turmoil or confusion or disappointment, we don't have peace. Jesus said he's giving us a peace that transcends that, that goes beyond that. So Jesus himself on one occasion is in a boat with his apostles. They're going across the Sea of Galilee and there's a huge storm that comes up. And it's, it's so uh, such a violent storm that his apostles, his disciples... Several of them were fishermen, they were sailors, and yet they feared for their lives. And yet Jesus himself lies in the bow of the boat sound asleep because he had peace that wasn't dependent upon his outward circumstances. And that's what he wants to give to us. So, um, yeah, one more thing, okay? Yeah, sure, go ahead. (laughs) Hey, here's a good step to take, all right? especially in light of, uh, for anybody here who's a perfectionist. So first of all, just give up the quest for perfection, which means give up control. Give up control. Then do this, stay focused in the moment, stay in the moment. Ask God what he's doing around you in the moment and be thankful for every expression of his goodness, no matter how small. That'll, that'll turn your life around. That'll turn your Christmas around if you simply practice that. Good. And uh, the other thing that Van mentioned was that Jesus gives us joy. And that is so um, so important. When he was going to the cross, this is what he told his disciples. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And when you think of where Jesus was looking towards the cross... And speaking about his joy may be in you. We see that joy doesn't depend on circumstances or how I'm feeling. 
but receiving what he has for me. So um, he said, um, well, the writer of Hebrews said, uh, talking about Jesus, he said, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than any of your companions. And that just reminds us that Jesus is just an amazing example of what it looks like to be joyful. He was the life of the party. He loved everybody around him. He was considerate, thinking of others before himself. But it was, he was teasing. He was tickling. He was laughing and cracking jokes. So he was, he had real joy in his heart. And, and it didn't matter what, you know, what people were thinking about him. He really, um, had that. So we can see that his joy is, can, we can have that. And we're promised that. In fact, the Bible is true, and when it says Jesus came to set us free, free from negative thinking, right? And from from sin, fear of death, death itself, and he's given us a new life. We're a new creation. We're righteous, and he gave us that gift of joy through the filling of the Holy Spirit within us. So receive that joy. And just believe it. And, you know, that's what what's really shows um, spiritual maturity and emotional health is when you're walking in peace and joy. So if, if you're feeling like you're, you're losing those things, be more intentional about growing spiritually and becoming healthy emotionally. Mm-hmm. That's good, honey. Thanks. So th- this peace and this joy come from our focus. And so second thing that our kids need this Christmas, first one is parents that live with peace and joy. Second one is th- they need you to help them with their focus. And, and now obviously the first part of that is I have to have my focus right. And, um, and, and that's because our culture today is, is working really hard to instill values into our children that will literally ruin their lives. And that main value that our culture is constantly pressing at them is this idea that joy, peace, contentment, happiness come from possessions. And, and not just from possessions, but from possessions now. What I want, whether it's a possession or some pleasure, I need to have it right now. And so for you and me, to break that pattern, what we have to do is show them that Jesus is more valuable than anything else we can have in life, and that Jesus has a purpose for them, that they can tie into his purpose for their lives. From the youngest of ages, they can learn this. And when we begin to help them to see that their life transcends Christmas, their life, because they're in Jesus, transcends culture, then we can begin to help them to see true values, right values. And uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not saying what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that presents are wrong or that, or that wealth is wrong or the possessions are wrong. I'm not saying that. They're all blessings from God and wonderful things that we should enjoy when they're received as gifts from God. But that means also that we have this understanding that the highest value is Jesus and his purpose uh, for my life. So when I begin to think that way, and, and I begin to live that way, then my focal point 
becomes Jesus and not these values that we have in our culture. Now, Christmas is kind of like the focal point of the whole effort to indoctrinate our children. I think it's probably the high point of the year for that, where they're, they're shown all these toys on TV and in advertisements with, with the intent to make them feel like they cannot be happy if they don't have that. And so we have, to, we have to have our hearts right about possessions. We have to have our hearts right about Jesus being first in order to help them to learn to focus the right direction. Here's a little test. Um, as a parent, do I derive my joy from their joy when they receive the present they want? Is the, big, is the biggest joy I get out of Christmas... Is it when I see the look on little Johnny's face when he got that special whatever gift that they're advertising on TV and, and all, all that made it all worth it? I went into $500 of debt to get him that, but it's all worth it because of the look on his face when he opened that present. If that's what I'm thinking, then what I'm doing is living with this. I mean, I'm giving into this mindset that possessions are the source of joy. And, and so um, when, when, we, when we really, really begin to get this right, then we can look at our budgets and we can say, well, how much what can I afford? All right, we're going to do that. And we're not going to go into debt to get things that really are not the source of joy. Um, a, a year ago, I was at a toy store and um, I was waiting while Lori was looking for some stuff. Uh, some, she was getting some uh, baby clothes or something like that. And uh, I, there was a woman I noticed who had two packages. She'd, she looked at one, put it down, looked at the other, put it down, looked at the other. She did this three or four times, and I just happened to be standing there looking at something. And, and I said, boy, it's hard to choose, isn't it? And she said, yeah, it really is. And I said, do you realize whichever one of those you get, it's going to end up on the garage floor in six months? <laughs> and she said, you know, you're right. And without looking, she just reached down and grabbed one of the boxes and walked away. So, um, yeah, now, uh, no criticism to that lady. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, I was brought up to receive gifts that had long-lasting um, value. And so I wasn't necessarily thrilled with, you know, a piece of jewelry or something because that wasn't, you know, my heart's desire. But my parents knew that that was something that I would be able to have for years to come. But the point is, whether it's, you know, something that you're looking forward, your child getting excited about, or you're excited that you're giving them a great investment like a savings bond, it's all about where your heart is and how you um, express your, you know, your highest values, right? Make sense? That's right. That's right. So when our kids were little, especially our older children, Lori and I would set our budget, would be reasonable about it. And we would go out normally on our anniversary, which is November 30th, and do all of our Christmas shopping. It wasn't a whole lot. Uh, but then well, I had three weeks to develop some anxiety before Christmas actually came. Lori didn't. She, was, she had this idea that here's what we're giving them. They'll be happy with that. But um, for me, it would be I'd start thinking, oh, we didn't get them enough. You know, how can they be happy if we don't get them more? 
And so we'd, we'd discuss that. And at the very least, I would end up going out at the last minute and buying a bunch of stocking stuffers that even in that, it kind of like stretched our budget some. Yeah, and they really, they got a deck of cards and beef jerky just about every year, right? <laughs> right, right, right. I wasn't very creative. Neither was I. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you and I, as a parent, uh, have anxiety about how much we're giving them or about whether they're going to like what we give them in the moment, what that, what that does is a couple of things. First, it passes anxiety on to them because kids know when we're anxious. They can feel it and they can see it and they learn anxiety from us. There was a study done uh, years ago where uh, they studied homes where there was significant stress between the husband and wife in the home. And they were seeing how that affected others in the home. And actually, the study was done on the dogs and the cats in the home. And what they concluded was that when there was stress between the parents in the home, the dog and the cat were actually stressed out. And so the point of all that is, listen, if the dog and the cat can sense when we're stressed out, then you can believe your kids know when you're stressed out also. They can read our anxiety, and, w- and what we actually do is reinforce this um, cultural worldview that happiness consists of stuff. Because here's the thing. Kids, especially when they're real little, but even when they become teenagers, they view us as up here. I mean, they, they really they have this lofty view of their parents. And so if... I'm anxious, and they figure out what I'm anxious about, then that raises that thing that makes me anxious in importance because it's powerful enough to make my dad anxious. And he's, you know, he's way up here. He's like God. And so then that value then, they, they just have this intrinsic value then for the thing that is powerful enough to make their parent filled with anxiety. And so what we do by what we're doing there then is just passing that anxiety on to them. And what we really want to do instead of that, as we already said, is just lift up the value of Jesus for them. Help them to see Jesus, who he is, and what he can mean to them personally, and the call that he has on their lives. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm just trying to think, how can we make this practical? And I think of um, some scripture that I'd like us to read together. And, um, yeah, I'll explain to you why I'm reading it. Um, this is Revelation uh, chapter 5. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Now what I think would be cool is to read this picture and and tell your kids, okay, let's get some crayons, let's get some markers, paper. um, You know, um, use your imagination right now and listen to the words 
and then express and create what what does this passage mean because it's describing heaven and this is why Jesus came is to bring heaven to us and actually that's what the shepherds experienced is heaven came and announced Jesus i mean amazing they heard and and saw and felt an amazing experience with the with the angels singing glory to god in heaven and on earth peace goodwill to men so this does two things it brings our children to the understanding that jesus was in an amazing exciting um joy-filled beyond your imagination place and his father sent him and he obeyed and humbled himself and became a baby and he didn't stay that way but it was a very humble beginning it was dirty and stinky and smelly and everything that goes along with childbirth and he came and did that because he wanted to show us his love he wanted us to experience um the sacrifice that he made and the amazing love that he gave his life ultimately all he, all voluntarily and the second thing is that jesus opens heaven to us we can experience heaven and even when you might not experience it if you ask your children to just listen and tell you what they're experiencing they may be experiencing heaven even more than you can imagine so it's awesome all right, so um, that leads us into our third point, and, and, and that basically is that we need to help them experience the Holy Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit who is God present with us. Uh, he's the one who opens up heaven to us and opens up relationship with the Father to us. In fact, we receive peace and joy of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans fourteen seventeen says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we all have this need to actually experience God's presence, not just to learn about God and hear about God, not just to have a chill go down my spine when I hear someone do a great Christian song, uh, you know, which, which can be wonderful, but I really need to sense that God himself is touching me. And, and that, that he is embracing me. I mean, think about this. How, what, would, what would our relationship be like if it was totally intellectual? If it was just, all, in fact, we never even talked. All we did was write letters back and forth to each other. Um, and, and we never touched. Or if I said to Lori, some people would say, well, the highest level of love or the highest level of faith doesn't need experience. Well, what if I said to Lori, well, we're going to love each other in the highest level now, so no more kissing, no more hand-holding, no more hugging. Bad news. <laughs> Wouldn't work, would not, it? Not good. We, we all want to experience God's love and his presence, and children can do that. Um, we have a, our second-born son, Brent, who lives in North Carolina right now. He has the little one that was informing her... her um, her kindergarten classmates of that thing about our culture and Christmas. He was, he was 12 years old when we moved from Michigan to Champaign, Illinois. And he went with us 
uh, we had been talking about moving for several months, didn't know where we were going to move. And on that first weekend in Champaign, they had a, a Sunday or Saturday evening service that was all focused on the Holy Spirit and worship. And um, during that service, I, I looked up front at the end during the ministry time, and Brent was lying on the floor and shaking. And he laid there for 20 minutes on the floor shaking. Now, I didn't get to talk to him and debrief with him at that moment. But the next evening, Sunday evening, we're driving home. We had a van, and Lori and I are in the two front seats, obviously. And we're talking, and we're just saying, hey, let's just move to Champaign. You know, let's just go there, and we'll learn about the Holy Spirit's ministry there and the gifts of the Spirit and prepare for our future there. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, he's 13, and he has his very best friend in, in um, Wausau, Michigan. Yep. Right. Awesome. And, and so he's, he's hurting about this, but he pops up between our seats and he says, you know, every time you guys talked about moving before, I always got sick to my stomach. But he said, last night I got peace about that. And he said, when I was lying there on the floor, I saw this picture of, he had a vision. And in this vision, a white lamb walked up to him, passed through his body came out the other side black, and he said, then someone led it off to be slaughtered. He said he didn't know how he knew that. He just knew they were leading it off to be slaughtered. And, it, and he also said that, um, he said this, he said, Chad and I, his older brother, used to watch this stuff on TV once in a while and see people fall down. And we always made fun of them and said, look, they're faking it. But he said, when it happens to you, it's a totally different thing. So here he is, this young, young kid, barely a teenager, and he's experiencing God's presence. And that's a life-changing thing for kids. What, what's amazing to me is that I never experienced anything like that. But here my son is hearing from God <laughs> and seeing something that God revealed to him. He wants to speak to us, and he speaks to our children. We want to draw that out of them. It's awesome. That, what Lori suggested earlier is just a great way to do that. Um, get the family together, light the Christmas tree, whatever, and um, read the story of the angel talking to Mary, and then let everyone go off by themselves, the angel announcing the birth of Christ to Mary, and then let everyone go off by themselves with this prayer. Ask everyone to say, God, what do you want to say to me? And let them just lie on the floor, and that means, Dad, you have to lie down on the floor. Face down, say, God, speak to me. Mom, you have to do that. And let the kids go off in whatever little nooks they want to hide in and, and listen to God and then gather the family back together and ask them what they heard. And you'll be surprised. You'll be amazed at what they hear, what, how God speaks to kids, and celebrate it at that. And, and what you're teaching them in, then is how to connect with God in a real and living way. The cool thing is, uh, your children, if they're in Kids Jam and Jam Junior and the student ministries, they're learning all this. This is not a new thing to them. So they will welcome, they'll teach you how to hear from God. And it's, um, yeah, so encourage them to come to the middle schoolers, 930, high schoolers, Sunday night. Um, there are other opportunities. Uh, yeah, obviously, Kids Jam and Jam Junior for elementary age. There, we, we have uh, retreats and camps. They'll, they will have the elementary age camp again this coming summer. 
And uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a fantastic time. Kids got saved there. They came to know Jesus. They got touched by the Holy Spirit there for the first time in their lives. Uh, our youth pastor Jordan, right over here to my left, stand up, Jordan. Wave to everybody. Hey, There's Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> he just had a retreat where uh, 23 of our teens went on this retreat, and then two or three other churches had people there too. And Jordan organized the whole thing for all these churches. And it was just a, a powerful time where the Holy Spirit was really impacting. And so here's what I would say. One of the gifts you can give your kid, if you have, if you have a budget, you haven't spent it all yet, uh, t- take 50 or $100 and put it down on a sheet of paper. This is for you to go to camp this summer. And you hold on, hold on to it for them until the time. But g- give that as a gift to them. Coupons are cool. Um, other things, just... Keep in mind that uh, there are all kinds of resources for parents. So get a Jesus Story book Bible. It has 24 days. You can pick it up wherever you are about the Christmas season. There's a, um, a cool book and activity called The Jesse Tree that um, talks about the, pro- the prophetic Um, fulfillment that Jesus came and he was told about long before in the Old Testament. Um, Bring your kids to Christmas Eve. It's at uh, seven at night for the candlelight service. That'll be very meaningful for them. Family group. Don't forget about family group. In case you're worried, we don't actually let the kids light real candles. Uh, This year we're going to give them glow sticks though, so that's going to be a fun thing for them. Now, most of what we've talked about relates to children at home and even to younger children at home. Um, It relates to teens as well. But um, what about older children grown and out of the home? What what if I'm a parent with older children who are grown and out of the home? And and here's what we would say. I think first, uh, just a key value for this key, key lesson is my teaching days are over with them, pretty much anyway. Let's put it that way. Pretty much. I've had 18 years to teach them. Now they're out. They're going to take what I've taught them and use it. And what that means now is I enter into the coaching phase, the advisor phase, when they ask for advice. I'm not like just freely pummeling them with advice all the time. But um, uh, we're there with them to help them when they stumble, uh, not fix them, but help them. And, and most of, of all, to stay connected to them heart to heart. Because heart bleeds into heart. And if my heart is sold out for Jesus, and I stay connected with them heart to heart, then that's going to bleed into their hearts. That's just the way God made us. Uh, so uh, what, the, what if I have grown kids and they're not walking with Jesus? Well, first of all, don't beat yourself up about it, Okay. Um, none of us are perfect parents. None of us are. We all make mistakes. And uh, it, it always takes an infinite amount of God's grace. For the very best parent in the world, it still takes an infinite amount of God's grace because it takes a person being born again, and that's something we can't do as parents. They, they have to open their heart to Jesus. But um, do this. Uh, just g- give them freedom of heart. Bless them. Don't preach to them, don't judge them, just love them. If, if they're not walking with Jesus, uh, just love them, bless them. Lori's going to talk about something uh, here in just a moment, a, a key thing about th- that. What is that key thing, Lori? The key thing is to call out the gold, 
Tell them the good things that you see in them. Call out the positive things. Uh, focus on that and not on the negative. Tell them how much you value them and the things that you value about them specifically. So that gold is about the, the precious things that you see that you want them to continue, right? Awesome, that's right. As a parent, you have this spiritual authority, this spiritual blessing to water things in your children's lives, and that doesn't end when they leave the home. You, you, have, more, you have more impact on them than anybody else ever can. And when you see this, this little glimmer even of God's work in their life, you maneuver past the junk and you touch that, that, that thing, that small thing that you see God doing in their life, and it brings it to life, and you're like watering it, and, and it blossoms then. So calling out the gold, that, that's what we mean by that. So, Van, what would you tell someone who has, um, says to you, but I've done everything just about wrong. I've done just about everything wrong. Or at least I feel like it. How do I not feel guilty about that? Well, first, I would say that nobody does everything wrong and nobody does everything right. Uh, it's just real simple. And... Um, First step, though, in dealing with that is accept your responsibility. Uh, no blaming of others, no excuses. Just accept your, if you know, hey, I did this and this wrong, then that's, that's, that's the way it is. Just accept that. Don't blame your wife or your spouse or circumstances or anything else. It's important that we humble ourselves, and it's important that our kids see us humble ourselves. Second thing is this. Um, you bring it to God where there's forgiveness, you know, there's forgiveness and release and restoration. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't invited Jesus into your life yet, this is the time to do it. You just invite Jesus into your heart and into your life, and, and he'll totally revolutionize the way you look at yourself and your past and your future. But uh, bring it to God. Bring those things that you view as failures to God. Ask him to show you. Uh, he, he might say, oh, that list of three things cross number three off and add this. Uh, I mean, because you want to be realistic about it, but bring it to God. And then the third thing is trust him to redeem the situation. We serve a God who is a redeemer. It's all about redemption with him. So trust him to redeem. Find some Bible promises, a great Bible promise. Write this down if you want, is Isaiah fifty nine twenty one. I'm not going to read it to you, but just write that down and take that to God and say, God, I'm bringing this to you. Fulfill it in my children's lives, Isaiah 59, 21. But then the fourth thing is ask God what needs to change today. What do I, what's my next step? And just focus on the one next step. What, what do you want me to do next in my children's lives? And this applies to so many areas. There's one area that I, I didn't mention earlier that I want to bring out right now, and that is what if there's been a divorce in and your children are with their mother or father, and you won't see them this Christmas? Or what if you rarely see them? I mean, that, you're talking about real deep heart pain now for a parent. And the, you know, we, we, we feel that pain with you. Um, we just want to say no guilt. Don't guilt trip yourself. But here's the thing we would recommend. Reach out to your children. Keep reaching out to them. Whether you get a response or not, keep reaching out to them and make contact with them, whatever it takes and however it happens. 
and, and then you follow these other principles. You call out the gold, you bless when you have the opportunity to do that. So, so yeah, just real quickly, the, um, the main points that we want you to remember is that you as a parent have an immense um, influence in your children's life. So walk in peace and joy. Let them see that. And second, help them have the right focus. It's on Jesus, right? And then help them experience the Holy Spirit. So, so we've said a lot here in this message and uh, been a lot come up on the screen. Um, here's what we would recommend to you. As we worship, ask God for just one or at the most two things from what we've said that you want to focus on. Don't try to focus on everything we've said. Uh, if you just focus on one or two things that God's speaking to you about right now, it, it'll help overall in your life, but you'll be taking the next step with him that he has for you, and that's what you want to do is just what's that next step? So right now, uh, we're gonna, uh, the worship team's going to come out. We're going to go into worship in a few moments, but we're going to receive our offering at this moment. So uh, if you're new here, uh, the way we do this is whoever is on the left for the furthest left side of the row, there's a basket under that seat. Pick that up, please. Pass it down the, down the row, and then the ushers will be there to uh, walk back the row and receive the um, baskets. So uh, we give because Jesus gave. We give because it's God-like to give, and we want to be like him, and he wants us to be like him. So uh, thank you for your giving and, uh, and, and blessing this ministry. We're headed into a great new year, and uh, your giving is, is what makes the whole thing possible from a funding perspective. So thank you very much. Father God, bless these offerings. We just pray your blessing on them. And everyone here, Lord, in this room, bless, bless us, Lord, with the joy of giving more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. That was fun. You can clap. Let's stand together and worship. While we worship, you can feel free to have a seat anytime if that helps you. Feel free to come up front. Come on. If you, uh, if you need room to move, the back has the most room. Let's come and give our whole hearts in worship. We love you, Lord.